Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. There's no business like show business. In a way, here we go. Hello again, and welcome to the Monroe Community Players podcast featuring the Green Room Groupies. I'm your de facto host, David War. Looking around the Green Room, I see my co-host, Brian Burchett Ross. Robert E.A. Oman. Ron Roberts. What? The usual. I said co-host last time, too. You didn't know why I gave you all an upgrade? <laughs> no, because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in the check. That's it, all I'm saying. It, Wait, just, it just struck me. It's like, why do I keep saying I'm the host? I think it, we're all hosts. You're getting paid? You didn't? No. No. Right. Oh. No. Okay. Oh, no. Nobody's getting paid for this. <laughs> Not at all. Wink. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. All... Any proceeds that you should choose to donate to the Green Room Groupies, by the way, <laughs> go to support the Monroe Community Players, and you can do that at MonroeCommunityPlayers.org. There's a whole special form for it. I'm not supposed to you know, advertise because it seems a little crass, but there we go. Let's be crass. <laughs> hey, it's our 20th episode. Let's start by being crass. Yes. And, and well... In 20th episode, who would think we could make it this far? Of course, it's not <laughs> not, not up yet, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. see where we go. Um, it's just been quite a run, and I think we, like, we were talking ahead before this uh, uh, taping that we do want to do something special for the 25th. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. At, uh, whatever. Keep, 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 keep checking your downloads to make sure that you get to that 25th episode. Maybe we'll just give you the night off. <laughs> That's our specialty. <laughs> it's, it's our 25th anniversary. <laughs> Take the night. night off. Good night. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the night. I hear there's something really bad on Netflix. <laughs> Go watch it and then complain about it next year. I don't know. I think our old de facto host is having mood swing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, to a degree I am, let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> are there what, any? What a week I've had since we last out? met. Pardon? Are there any new musicals coming out on Netflix since they and Disney since they just did West Side Story and um, Baby Shark? <laughs> Baby Shark. Baby Shark has his own series now. I did not know that. I had no idea because I just made it up. <laughs> well, Netflix will be calling us. This is how bad <laughs> movies get made. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're still with us, but not. <laughs> this this is a podcast me. where we talk about theater. <coughs> oh, and <laughs> um, the business, the art, and uh, with the emphasis on the local and the community, um, and whatever else happens to come into our, our small <laughs> little brains. Um, so we. <laughs> Thus was born the tangent verse. <laughs> this was born the tangent verse, but usually we, we work into it. <laughs> oh, not today we ain't. So thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Um, last episode, did you find out the information that we were oh, talking about? Yeah, I did. Uh, so I uh, would like to uh, direct any apologies towards uh, <laughs> Robert Harling. The author of the 1987 play Steel Magnolias. Uh, please listen to episode 19, and you'll find out why. But again, please accept our sincerest apologies. Yes, it, it really is a brilliant play, um, and and we all enjoyed watching it because you know there's no parts for us in it. <laughs> there could be. It, it, there could be. There could be. Um, but it is a great play. Um, so, who are we offending this week, folks? <gasps> I can't wait to find out. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's find out. So, Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> Tell us the lesson that we should learn. <laughs> Don't sue us, Warner Brothers. It's better than Batman. Apology for next one. Which reminds me, I had an idea for a new theme song. So, well, We're the Green Room Groupies. We hope you like our show. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a throwback. I love it's it. Throwback. It's Do a parody. Still, it's a parody. We can't get. Do we still going. have those tuxedos? Oh, oh we're the boys in the chorus. We hope you like our show. No, we really. Are are what? You got the right song, but we're doing the parody. Yeah. Oh, oh we're, we're doing freakies. Oh, we are the freakies. We are the freakies. <laughs> and this is a freaky tree. He's off his meds. I don't even know. <laughs> Um, please stay with us. I promise we're going to talk about theater. <laughs> we have a topic, really. We have a topic, really. Um, we, we've been talking, uh, kind of our continuing series, What the Hell is Wrong With, dot, dot, dot. Um, 
So one of the things Bob had suggested about this is even just the term when we say what the hell is wrong with, we're using language that a lot of people would object to on stage in our community theaters. And so there's always that question about what language is appropriate, what language is not appropriate. And I think we can kind of think about that for a little bit. Is anything off limits these days? I would maintain no, as long as the audience has an idea of what they're coming up for. But something for your group to think about. Um, to most most play, people swear. I know you're shocked, shocked, I know. Um, but but the, you know to reflect as we talked last episode 19 which was brilliant and you should all go back and listen to it if you haven't um, we we know that we discussed that we are not a you know the theater is not a is not realistic it, just by its very nature it's a reflection of reality but you know it, that reflection does include the f word <sighs> fun fun that's that's it I thought it was Farkle. <laughs> there's a lot of f words but <clears throat> there's one that will get people out to stand up and storm out of your theater faster than others fire <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was perfect <laughs> that's why we keep him around oh my god so bob is you can go back to episode 10 or something i don't know which <sighs> one as from our story we know that that's not necessarily true <laughs> that's true, it's true. Yeah. It's true. well anyway so this time we thought we'd delve into our what the hell is wrong with playwrights. Um, we talked a little last episode uh, about some playwrights and, and some things and, you know, when, when can you work with a playwright when you can't. By the way, I have this pad of paper so that we can start writing down the names of the playwrights to apologize <laughs> to in 21. <laughs> well, I'm going to be start with something somewhat controversial. Again? Perhaps not that controversial. I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with playwrights. And not because I fancy myself as one. You don't um, fancy yourself. You have yeah. three or four yeah. pr- produced plays. Even if you want to call it playlet, it's still much more than we've seen on our stage. I yeah. mean, you really have I appreciate that. quite a wide, a wide variety of genres, too. So let me, uh, mm-hmm. let me throw something out at you then. So, do you think it's more about the interpretation? Yes. Okay. I'm not, that's where I was going at. It's like, is it really the fault of the playwright or is it the fault of the director? Is it the fault of the, um, I mean, there are some bad plays out there. We've done some. <laughs> we, other people have done them. You know, it, there is, there is, when people say there's no such thing as a bad play, Brian knows all too well because of the play that shall not be named that there are. <laughs> Lovers Part Two, not that one. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it takes me two weeks to clean it out of my brain. <laughs> it's just long enough to meet up with you guys again. And now love has put him where he belongs. <laughs> yeah, oh. on the battlefield. Oh. Love, <laughs> but 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 I you know that's Worst right. I'm going to kind of tell that it's is it the Which fault one? of the playwright or the fault of the group that puts it on? <laughs> an officer and the gentleman that is officer correct. and the gentleman that was what we're talking about Bob. if you haven't listened to the last seven podcasts that's what we have been talking about you better get a bucket <laughs> but um but uh, having said that though I, I will say there are some problems with playwrights um especially new playwrights um uh, uh, i think a lot of playwrights I've, I've been through a lot of playwriting workshops and classes and one of the things i keep seen over and over and over from other people's work, certainly not mine, <laughs> is the tendency to over-describe. Um, mm. So it, it's difficult to read a script when most of the script is description as opposed to actually the dialogue. Um, I think there's a problem with a lot of playwrights forget the medium. You know, that, that it's a stage and the nearest person to your audience is likely to be five to ten feet away in a small theater, mm. in a large venue, they could be hundreds of feet away, or if not yards. Um, you know, when you're sitting in the balcony at the Stranahan in Toledo or the uh, Detroit Opera Theater, you know, the Detroit Opera House, you're probably half a mile away from yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from the stage. Um, and, and a playwright will tend to focus on the minutia as opposed to the broader strokes of the play. 
Um, you know, if it doesn't translate well to the balcony, it's not translating well for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a trick to writing a play as, as opposed to any other form of, of literature because the audience isn't seeing it in their mind, they're seeing it on the stage. They will fill in the gaps in their mind. Mm-hmm. Discuss that. Um, but for the most part, if, you know, if it's not broadcastable, which is why in the comedies, for example, the, the, a lot of comedies are such farcical things. They seem downright silly when you're sitting close to them, but you move them further back, they just seem like good fun. Um, Odd Couple, which comes up a lot. You know, there's a, literally a chase scene going in and out of a bathroom mm-hmm. because that's a big motion and it makes a lot of sense. And it's something that people in the balcony can see even if they don't hear it quite clearly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the issue that you're describing there is because of the prevalence of movie and television now yep. whereas in before the more of your classic playwrights it was in the beginning of the infancy of television do you think that television and, and movies have become more of an influence on playwrights yes and and i think from my perspective and not having taken any formal classes on television history and everything if you look at TV and how and movies and how they used to be done, they used to be done like plays. Mm-hmm. It was essentially you had one camera, sit up front, they did it on a set. When it was time for the next scene, they changed the scene, they went to a different set. It took the, both those, you know, it, I think it was uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz came up with the three camera idea that, hey, we can cut back and forth between different scenes. We don't have to just show the one static scene. Um, and the movie's a similar thing. Now everything in the movie's, you know, about focus on the face, for example. There's a lot of close-ups on the face, which is a detriment to the big musicals that they try to do because musicals are about distance and seeing the dance, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, same problem with sports people have with marching bands, by the way, and the rare occasions that they do show marching bands yep. or Super Bowl halftime. They close in on the... Uh, um, they close in when it's like we don't want to see the close, we want to see the formation. But I think it's taken television and movies this long to find their voice and to work the best they can in their medium. But as a result, people are forgetting that the stage is a different medium as well. And part of it, too, is Broadway. You know, when you see, go to a big theater on Broadway that has literally millions of dollars invested into their product, sets that magically float away, disappear. Um, We'll go to Twilight of the Golds that you just directed for players a few weeks ago, Brian. You know, that original script called for entire scenes to kind of vanish and new scenes come in while they're talking. You can't do that on most stages. Yeah. I mean, you can do that. Frankly, I'm not sure you can do it on a lot of Broadway stages. So that script in particular I had a lot of problems with. I know you did. (laughs) I know you did. Um, Not because of the content of the the subject matter, but because of the techniques behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because another thing I'll say that playwrights often do wrong is this is one i've been waiting for is is they tend to be too specific about the time and place of their play Mm -hmm. a lot of pop references in in for example the twilight of the golds and in if you want your play to last and i gotta believe that most playwrights do it's okay to have enough information to frame it in a specific time and place but if you're basing critical jokes on the Mary Tyler Moore show that hasn't been aired in 40 years. Yeah. I mean, there are reruns out there, granted. Yeah. But, and especially who could anticipate today, for example, that nobody's watching reruns. I, you know, I don't have cable TV anymore. Everyone's streaming stuff. They're looking for exactly what they want to see. Um, we don't have that common touch point that we used to have even just, you know, a few decades ago. Mm-hmm. And, so if you're going to make things dependent on certain things that are happening at that moment, I think you, have, you run the risk of losing your audience in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the playwright also needs to have a big enough ego to think that their work is going to be there in the future. You mm. know, I have no... I understand that when I'm gone, I will probably never see one of my plays produced again, unless, you know, you all want to do some sort of <laughs> wonderful tribute to me. Um, <laughs> no, we're good. No, we're good. I was going to shave my head. Yes, you should. Um, ah, tacky. <laughs> <laughs> As I did for Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Now but, the glitter is coming out. <laughs> um, get it out of the way. But the uh, but I but I, yeah, Bob. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> you raised your hand. I, I, no, I, I said think. the glitter. Y'all looking out. at me like teachers talking. So now I will say on on that. Um, 
with with when you mentioned Twilight of the Golds, and and there was that scene where you know they talk about Mary Tyler Moore and da da da. Amongst others. Uh, yeah. Well, hold on. I'm good. Um. I just got shushed. Um, I don't now that particular one. I don't think the reference of Mary Tyler Moore because you know you you and I have talked about we've all talked about that script a lot. I don't think that reference is as important of in the pop culture because of the pop culture you know where it was at in time as much as later on when the father played by you revisits it with look how smart they are and how much they banter they talk in this sort of code which is those of us who grew up with these shows do we we talk you know and all we have to say is you know as god is my witness i thought turkeys could fly and we all know you know so that's it's a code however however now i will also say in that same show when the daughter does her monologue there is a huge reference about wkrp in cincinnati and you know she actually says i almost paid a ton of money to date les nesman yeah that one just flops unless you know WKRP in Cincinnati and who Les Nesman was. I'm so I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but I'm saying I think on the uh, on the Mary Tyler Moore one, I think there there was a, a more of a correlation between between what they were trying to show between the how the kids connected. Well, let's talk about the female version of the Odd Couple. Oh, okay. Settle in, Ron. It's going to be a long time before we speak. <laughs> no, because Bob brought this up actually last episode. They play Trivial Pursuit. Uh, that was clearly a cultural phenomenon that had its time and place, and it passed. Now, you could argue that the Twilight of the Golds was set in a specific time and place mm-hmm. so that the references made sense because it was during the uh, early days of the AIDS crisis, mm-hmm. um, pandemic, whatever we're calling it now. But the, you know, it, was a different, it was a specific time and place. The Odd Couple, my guess, is intended to be timeless, and he chose a passing fad to be the game they played instead. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> what? Instead of poker. Today we know women will play poker just as much as the guys. And mm-hmm. win more than the guys. And that he could have just done that straight through and it would have made the play more timeless. In fact, I'm a little surprised that someone hasn't figured out that that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Because if you played Trivia Pursuit, as I did, and I have boxes of different editions and stuff in my closet right now at home, mm-hmm. you know that one game will last you a while. Yeah. You don't need to play it every week because there's, only, there's only so many up. cards. <laughs> yeah. So many pieces of the pie. And if those who don't know that Trivial, Trivial Pursuit required this little pie that you had to fill with its little pieces to each category each entertainment categories. sports both. and they hurt yeah. worse and than that was Legos. an effort to make this <laughs> podcast timeless <laughs> 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 to explain to those future generations who may be listening mm-hmm. um, or the aliens who find all our bodies later <laughs> well i can see the blue fairy but i don't know our bones oh wow that would be an electrostatic <laughs> charge So, 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 so again, even great playwrights like Neil Simon, you know, arguably one of the greatest playwrights of our age, uh, whether we like it or not. Mm. <laughs> Apologies to the estate of Neil Simon. Um, Did he die? I believe so. Yeah, look it up, Ron. Let me find out. Everybody we loved is dead. <laughs> wow. wow. <You> know. <laughs> And there's those mood swings again. <laughs> it's not a mood swing. It's my nihilistic nature. We're doomed. Look it up. <laughs> not, I'm, not still trying to... I'm going to say not everybody. The, my family, of who I love and cherish, are still my, very much alive. Thank you. And I hope they continue to be so for a long time. My friends, who are some of who are sitting in this room, some. <laughs> you know, I hope you all live long, healthy lives. Is Neil actually dead? Um, Mr. Simon passed on August the 26th, 2018, at the age of 91. No one told me. Good for him. No one told you. Good for him. 91. That's not you well, saved no, you're money right there, on the okay. flowers. Well, that's true. I did. He would appreciate that. I make it to my next birthday. He loved May. I'm celebrating. I think, you know, Joe, he did not. I know. 
We, I know. We talked about that in uh, episode 14. No. This is 16? like episode 14 is a lot. 16. To say that David's Maybe wrong is always episode 14. <laughs> you need to start going back to other episodes. <laughs> David, we talked about that in episode 14. <laughs> Episode 14 was three and a half hours long. <laughs> he's on to me. <laughs> Sometimes he's right. No. So back to the main point. Uh, Could you tell my husband that? <laughs> um, so so that's that's where I'm at. So playwrights do make mistakes, obviously. And, and there's every play. The, there was one, uh, it came from Mars, uh, which we did, which is a wonderful play. I guess you have to look up the author. He's a Michigan author, uh, playwright. It was cute. It's a cute play, but I still feel he missed a, and this is another spoiler, if you're going to go see It Came From Mars, you, you might want to forward, fast forward a few seconds here. Um, at the end of it, he has a point, there's a place that says, you know, where did the spaceship come from? He could throw the title of the play right in there, It Came From Mars, but he chose not to. Yeah. Probably because he was thinking, oh, that's just too trite and cliche, but as we all know from... Going to, going to put us in a place in time now, as we all know from the Family Guy. <laughs> the one of the fun things is yes. when you hear the title in the in the show. Yeah. He said it. He said it. And Superman Four: Quest for Peace. It's right That's there. That's how oh, they God. got that. Oh. We all love that. Um, it was written by a Joseph Zettelmeyer. Yes, he's, he's got several good plays, and we should look at doing some of them at Monero. By the way, let's do a play read for him in April then. No one wants to do the thing in April, which I'm not going to say what the thing is, but those who know, know what thing that I think, though I think we're doing that we could do a better thing than what we were supposed to be doing today. So, so, so it's a thing. Do, so, do you want that so edited, check our web, So check our, web, <laughs> check our website to see what that thing is we're doing I mean, in April. Don't, don't make it a big thing. <laughs> I, I don't think made you it. you already have. <laughs> well, bring a ding dang. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, there. It would be good to go through, uh, perhaps, just a reading. We we just should, and it's something every group should do is keep reading the new stuff that's out there. So I've talked a lot. Who else? Can I? Can I? Um... <laughs> <laughs> is it speeding time? Do we throw in raw steak? I know or this is why we should be on YouTube so people can I know, watch can the hilarity. But then yeah. we have to spin the camera. Yeah, there'd have to be. A... Yeah, to be um, anyway, we can do that. I have a question about your 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 point though. Now, I'm listening. Well, I'm trying to think. Oh, He's piecing together since I threw I'm, up the track. I know. Well, I'm just piecing together. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's not your fault. That's it's my 55 year old brain. Um. Anyway, we the, need more stuff on the Facebook page. I'm taking pictures. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, but now, when you say you know that some of the stuff is dated by what they put in there, at the same time, it doesn't mean, for instance, Twilight of the Golds, the fact that it was set in the 80s, the late 80s, during the AIDS, uh, you know, epidemic when it was at its height. You're not saying. I mean that was important and so but still it dates the show you, you see what i'm trying to well yeah the world events i think are, are perfectly good okay because we all know that we may not be old enough to know when AIDS started but we all are aware that at some point it started so you know if you set something back in the black plague right. ages it's okay to mention the plague for example. Then would Arsenic and Old Lace be a dated show? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Charlemagne had been killed. But it's dated in a different way. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think it's the, the but the arc of Ar Arsenic, Old Lace does, Arsenic and Old Lace doesn't depend on anything that was happening at that time. You could set it, if you wanted to, as today, but the reality is if you did, what stands out is going to be things like the um, mode of communication, the way they use a telephone, for example, mm -hmm. the um, the idea of a boarding house, is, Teddy Roosevelt, kind of gone. The Teddy Roosevelt, you know, there there are things that would stick out that kind Yellow of scream it should go in the past, but it but it's not necessarily. You could use Richard Nixon. 
But could. No, but, he, the, he, but the jokes aren't dependent on no. something that happened currently. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and because I, it's that's part of his mania. Yeah. It's not true. It's just, it's like me and, well, Charlemagne. We're both insane. I, I think another thing that we need to make sure is, as actors and people in theater, is when you read a play, um, don't necessarily put it through the filters of today. You need to make sure that you understand the time frame of when that show was written. Yeah. And while things may be quote-unquote problematic now, they may not have been. And I'm not saying that it makes it right. But I, I think you need to, to really make sure that I think we all have a tendency to do that with a lot of things where we look at something say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. Well, back in 1965 or 1943, it was, it was a different time, as I like to tell my kids. <laughs> and I just think you have to be cognizant of that and not automatically look at something and say, oh, well, that we, we got to cut that or we can't say that or we can't do that. Right. Well, and I almost think you can do like, for example, I think a, it's another modern contemporary restaurant, Disney Plus, um, several of the streaming services, I believe others may, where they put right in front of it, hey, this this is play, this movie was done in a specific time and place and re- has cultural references that we find ignorant today. And I think we can let our audiences know, hey. I think the audiences are smart enough to realize that the audiences are smart enough to realize this was made back in 1942 doesn't excuse but explains if the theater group has done their work and make sure it looks like it's set in 1942 so if you take arsenic and lace and use all modern clothing modern sets and everything to kill a mockingbird yeah something like that but i'm saying if you don't give the audience those clues that this takes place in the past I mean, you can also do that very easily with the programs that set in 1942. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. You just put it right in the program. I mean, that's what I did for Twilight of the Golds. This takes place in the late 80s. This Mm -hmm. is what what was going on during that time. But now, and again, speaking of that show, my biggest issue with that show, and I've directed it twice now, and I still can't figure it out, and I think playwrights should, when they do something like this, say, this is what I meant by this somewhere, is that knock at the door at the very end of the show. There is a stage, there's a stage thing saying as the as the lights go down and the last monologue is about to be delivered, there's a knock at the door. Why? Brian, Brian, Brian. It's the who <laughs> it's so obvious. It's the who shot JR. It's never going to have a it's up to every individual to figure out what it is. Is it the black guy coming to steal their T-Fall machine? Or maybe he wants the Livalore blinds. Or maybe it's a lost Girl Scout cookie. It's, it's, a, a, it's a red herring. Oh, okay. That's all. Okay. Because people have been put to sleep by that time. <laughs> I, I, I want to say thank you to all of you. <laughs> This has been fun. <laughs> well, and again, the attack on the playwright. I've had 20 good episodes. <laughs> well, well, 14. And then, then there's on the average. <laughs> um, the, uh, I'm kidding. Obviously. I know, I know. It's, well, and it's not the fault of the production if the script has some issues. No. But I think, if, frankly, for any script, you could sit down and say there are issues. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare, you know, Believe it or not, folks, they weren't all gold. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Hamlet is too damn long. Uh huh. That's all there is to it. It's too damn long. Yeah. To that, be or not to be. Yeah, to be. That, <laughs> too many words. <laughs> too many words. Take them out. <laughs> too many words. Yeah. I, I still want to. If if the author of Twilight of the Golds is listening to this, could you let us know what you meant by that knock at the door? Because it's I've done it twice now in twenty years, and I want to know. If he's dead, and we get a psychic knock on the table, is that going to be proving he's anything? Not dead. I don't think he's dead. He's well, that just means we should be doing Blythe Spirit again. But that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of go with Bob, though. I think the knock on the door was is that question mark? Is this someone to attack them? Is it's change? What's happened here? He, just he, he may have put it. He may have just put it in to this will get them wondering about this for a while. So, okay. But I, right. I'm sure his intention was was to they should all freeze and say, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And uh, you know, is this someone coming to 
rob us blind because you know people who are coming to rob you blind the first thing they do is knock knock at the door yes hello <laughs> hello aborted baby here <laughs> I'm sorry, did you call for an aborted baby? Yes, yes. For those that don't know, the Twilight of the Golds dealt with uh, the issues oh, of uh, abortion. selective abortion. Selective abortion, yes. You can tell it was a good time. Oh, I, I, I'm not seeing any references to whether Jonathan Tollins is alive or dead. Uh, let me uh, see. Let me do a little more deep diving in the Google machine. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sure he's alive. And if not, I hope he is well. Yes, we all <laughs> I'm sure do. He is. He's survived. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he. So survived. any anything else? So okay. So, you know, what else does a playwright do to drive you crazy? Too many words. We got that. <laughs> Dropping an idea mm-hmm. midway through Act Two that was very important in Act One. It was the MacGuffin. You go to Act Two where you introduce a love interest or a complication, and Number One's idea is gone and it's been taken over by two and three if it's in a three-act play cycle is that just like you set up all this in act one pay reference to it in act two and act three has nothing about the original threat Mm. or concern it did not follow the structure in a three-act play. I don't think there should be four- and five-act plays. Too many words. I'm, I am really happy that, r- truly, we don't see a lot of three-act plays anymore either. It's it's Nowadays, it's mostly a two-act plays, which is, to me, a One intermission. Nicer. One intermission, yeah. two acts, boom. In, you're out. You can get to your make-your-dinner reservations. Mm-hmm. I, I find it irritating, too, when Act 1 and Act 2 are not of equal lengths. Really? Typically, personally, I like to see Act 2 a little shorter than Act 1. Oh, I do too. So I don't like it though when I go in and I see a show for half hour for Act 1, then an hour and a half for Act 2. Oh, yes. My bladder is not built that way. (laughs) (laughs) I can do the hour and a half for Act 1 and a half hour for Act 2, but I can't do it the other way around. Yeah. Now, I can't think of any specific examples of that, but I have been to some where it's like, okay, Act 2 is usually shorter, and it's like, oh my God, Act 2 will never end. I can give you one. But I gotta say the words again. An officer, and that the act one was like just a, an officer. Is an officer. Uh, act one was not that long. I mean, it was about an hour. And you know what? Man, no, maybe they both were the same amount. Of just act two was so stupid and silly, it felt like it went three and a half hours. Maybe that was it. Either way, I got to bash it again. So, but but even I think you know even the hot new play. You know, there are issues with things like that. For example, Hades Town. Well, I'm going to get the hate mail on this again. Don't do it, <laughs> Hamilton. I'm begging. Oh, you did it. <laughs> Bring Ham- it. Hamilton went a half hour too long. I had paid 200 bucks to sit there, but I, but I said it went too long. You know, it was like we we wrapped up the show, we knew what happened, and we had. Spoiler for, you know, forward 10 seconds ahead, folks. <laughs> then we sat there for another half hour listening to what we just saw. Oh, it's... Um, he was a Joseph. wonderful guy. We didn't know how wonderful he was. I think he really was a wonderful guy. Okay, we got that. We were Moving here for $200 on. ago. But on. also, Joseph has the... I may be misremembering, um, in which case I fell asleep, which is not <laughs> either. The Mega Mix was a big deal for a long time with shows. That's because the show was too short, though. That's true. But it's still one of those, okay, we just saw this, and now we're just singing it all over again. Yeah. But, but without that, Joseph is only like an hour-long show, right? 90 minutes. Yeah. Perfect for television, which is what he really wrote it for to be used as in television, though it was actually written as a school project. See, I think Hello, Dolly is a really long show. It is. A dra- it, that's that's another one. Camelot is a long show. Yeah. I love the show. Don't but get me wrong. I know that moment was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Shining the light in people's eyes. That was good. <laughs> that was. I did love that ending to that show. Thank you. Um, that is. That was. That was one of my biggest regrets. Um, but uh, yeah, Camelot is really, really long. You could probably cut out Mortar's uh, song. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Why would you make that mistake? <laughs> uh, 
Well, and I, yes, it was so long that I said, let's use, put in both optional songs uh, to make it even longer. (laughs) But that was because I was thinking about the audience. Audiences like it when guys sing as a group. Yeah. They like it. um, They like when all the nights are (coughs) the round table. They love it in uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas when the football team comes in and does their song. (laughs) They, They like it when guys are on stage singing. Apparently in very short, short towels in the case of the best little whorehouse. <laughs> Not my cast. <laughs> oh, you had the B team. <laughs> At the risk of insulting anyone who was in the cast. No, they've died by They were in oh, different God. stages of they were in different stages of under us. Mr. Jeff Finley, if you're listening to this, <laughs> we apologize. He wasn't in the locker room. Oh, that was right. He was uh um Melvin Melvin Thorpe. P. Thorpe. The role that I would have wanted to play if I weren't directing it. Really? Oh yeah. Oh. Actually, the governor. That's yeah. That's the one I would have wanted. It was the governor. Yeah. One song in out. You're done. Now there's a show that's not dated at all. No, it'd be perfect. We'll just set it in a democratic household. But you know what? That still is. I think that's a show that if we did do today, we would still get an audience for. I do too. Yes. I, because the song's fun. Because it's a fun Bunch. musical. Yes. It's fun. I like. I even like that. I'm not, I'm not a fan of musicals. I like that one. Although I love Hamilton. I I did not dislike Hamilton. You fell asleep. I did not. <laughs> it was two hundred dollars worth of sleep. It was a well, good this, sleep. This is where what, what the hell is wrong with the houses? Because mm. the house being the 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 uh, things was it the Fisher. Gosh, I don't even remember where I saw it. <laughs> it was the Detroit Opera House again. Um, what I didn't like was their sound system. Okay. And oh. it wasn't their sound system, and it goes to the last episode. We just talked about the accessibility. Yeah. There was this odd echo that I kept oh. hearing on every song, and I couldn't figure it out. It finally took me time to realize, oh, it's the hearing assistance devices of the ladies who are sitting two seats down from me. Oh, okay. yeah. So there's kind of going back to the last episode... Good news, they could hear the show. Bad news, it was affecting my enjoyment of the show because I kept hearing this weird echo. Now, once I identified it and figured out where it was from, I was able to adjust my thinking and ignore it. Mm. But until then, it became a distraction to me for the whole show, which I think goes into a whole other episode about, well, all little things can really distract your audience, folks. Yeah, There was an episode, uh, one of your favorite shows, Pippin. I saw a great production of it, I think. Up in Midland uh, uh, Center for the Arts, mm-hmm. they were doing a great job, except for one problem: somebody didn't quite close one of the curtains towards the back. Oh. And through the whole show, I could watch people oh. reaching into the barrel to grab swords. Yeah. And so I kept watching people take their props and weapons out of this barrel instead of watching what was happening on stage. Yeah. It doesn't take much to throw a person in the audience off. I I will say. First of all, with Hamilton, I've, I've yet to see Hamilton live. I've only seen what Disney's, TV. yeah, what Disney gave us. Um, but I am going to see it this summer and at the Stranahan. It's going to be at the Stranahan, so I'll right. finally get my chance, and then maybe maybe I'll have a different opinion. Of, tell me if I'm uh, not right about the entrance of George Washington and how Disney screwed it up. Okay, yeah, and I'm, I'm really anxious to see the difference in in that. Um, and then about Pippin, we uh, saw that on. We actually went and saw the newer one on Broadway. Um, which I was excited because it is always been like my one of my absolute favorites, um, and it was a great show. <laughs> when I last saw Pippin, Irene Ryan was still playing the grandmother. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how long ago my love, love you, Irene. Was. She's she's, she's no longer with us. She was uh, granny on the Beverly Hillbillies. For those that don't know, look it up. Yes, um, but I will say this: uh, when I walked out of that show, there is nobody who will ever be able to top Ben Vereen. As the main player. And the main player was great. She was awesome. She was excellent. She was no Ben Breen. Who is? Ben Dan Breen. Quayle. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, sir. And, uh, yeah. I, oh. I, it, it took me a second. That one takes it. a little while to settle <laughs> in. Speaking of dating yourself. <laughs> Spell potato while red. <laughs> But it had the Bernays sauce. (laughs) 
<laughs> so playwrights are awesome. Yeah, playwrights are awesome. And like I say, I don't say that because I am one. Yeah, me and Mike club my thinking a little. But it, but the interpretation, I think there's there's so much that goes in when you look at the play is just the raw material to start with. Mm-hmm. And there's so much else that has to happen to bring that play to life. Mm. I will say that playwrights don't make the best directors for their own work. I'll agree with that. I saw one of my plays that I had directed successfully before, and another group did it, and it was like, oh, yeah, I screwed that up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I had read because a, they, I thought that, that that director did a better job. I had read a story uh, about Arthur Miller, that was uh, involved with one of the productions for Death of a Salesman, and Dustin Hoffman was the stage manager, and he went up to him and they were talking, and someone afterwards talked to Arthur Miller. You know, he wants to to be an actor. And he's like, oh, there's no way. You know, his, his nose is too big. He's got no, he's no charisma. He'll never be anything. And really, yeah, he ended up being Willie Loman. I mean, so yeah, yeah. So, but but Arthur Miller did marry Marilyn Monroe. So there's that. He he figured out something, right? He did. Mm-hmm. But Arthur Miller was no Joe DiMaggio. No, he was not. Mm. Are we going to the candy? Are we going for the candy D joke or not? Yeah, go for it, Bob. Oh, date, your, date yourself some more. <laughs> I know someone. At who, least I know someone who will treat me right. <laughs> oh boy, I, I know someone who played Joe DiMaggio in a musical about Marilyn or a play about Marilyn Monroe. Oh, that's so. right, that TV show. Oh no, it was in Vegas. He was on Christopher Showerman. For those who don't know, oh, look, look him up on IMDb. Um, but he he played Joe DiMaggio as well. So yeah. that's as close as I get to Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Or I was saying Marilyn Monroe. But it was or JFK. <laughs> That was, the show was Smash, though, wasn't it? No, he. There was a show Smash, yes. Okay, but, but that's he, not what Chris not, was in. He was in a play about Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. He's like six four or something. He's built like crazy. He, he was George of the Jungle too. Joe DiMaggio. No, no, Christopher. Christopher. Oh, okay. Played. My friend. Okay. See, that's why it's taking me a while to get the mnemonics right. Well, you lost. Not any more than usual. No. Okay, <laughs> nice guy. Nice guy. Super nice guy. He may be listening to us right now. I don't know. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> he bought us bubble tea. Yes. Oh, is that your first bubble tea? <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Yeah, what do you was, think? Uh, it was yeah. blue milk. Oh, almost choked. Yeah. No, you're supposed to chew on them. I know. Okay. I know now. Okay. <laughs> It was, how do you get them up the straw, which is smaller than the... <laughs> it was difficult. There was a lot of... That was a tangent. Yeah, we're stopping that tangent. <laughs> we're going to do the Thanos Ron, Ron gave up. I think he went home. I haven't heard from him in ages. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm He's just, here. Uh, you know, soaking it all in. You can sometimes tell when we got a lot of energy and sometimes when we don't, which is surprising because, you know, we do these back-to-back to back-to-back. To back, to back, so. <laughs> Actually, no, just two. We, we haven't left since October, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to say that. Um, we still got a few more minutes, folks. So we can keep talking. Really? Yeah. Hey, so, so, so since we seem to not get anywhere with our playwright conversation. Oh, Ron's going to speak. No, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I just think that it is, though. It, <sighs> it's, uh, it, it's all about interpretation. You know, I, I think that as performers, you take the, the printed word and you interpret it. And so really, it, as uh, another person at this table once always used to say, that the script is just a suggestion. Uh, consider wise man. A wise, wise man. That wasn't me. Well, no, I consider it a roadmap, but I, I do think you just need to understand the time and the place of where the, the, produ- the show was written. And kind of put yourself in, in that place. And again, don't try to put a modern spin or a modern uh, filter on things if, it, if it's not necessary. Cool. Wise words is always wrong. Thank you. That's why we keep them wrong. Every once in a while. Did we do Daddy Warbucks already? Yes, we sir. We just did. Okay. Thanks. At least. And, and we got Officer and the Gentleman. And we got to go through our list of. Our, now, talk about a playwright. What? What? Oh, I thought I heard something. Um, <laughs> that's a 
voices in my head. Um, I'm afraid the oxygen level of this room may not be <laughs> what it needs to be. Why I, was this I, room painted? I, <laughs> two hours ago. Um, I do think uh, uh, probably one of the greatest playwrights is, who wrote the Cats? Andrew Lloyd Webber. What was based on T.S. Eliot. That's it, yeah. That was the one we hadn't got in, so I just tried to get in Cats. Wow. Okay, we're done. Oh, okay. <laughs> just had to get cats in. So, so we to get our cats in. We didn't get it in number 19. Listen to number 19, folks. You didn't hear a thing about cats. Is there a new musical coming out in the theaters or on Broadway anybody knows of? It's a, mm. it's a, it's a real question. No, yeah. No, not that I'm aware of. Uh, David and I are planning, are, are cautiously planning on going to New York in June. Um, and our plan then is to see uh, Hades town and moulin rouge um which i think moulin rouge is newer than hades town um but i haven't heard of anything else newer than that but i i don't keep up with it like you guys do as well i just well, um i just want to give up my thing, itinerary you know if, if we're just <laughs> When I would always suggest that you be cautious in planning any trip to New York. But the uh, I think Broadway is good to keep track of what the new musical might be for the next three or four years coming out. But, you know, there's new plays all the time and other sources. And something we as a group haven't really looked at is maybe we should be keeping an eye on some of these playwriting contests. Mm. Um, to see who those winners are, because that may be where we find the next new show. Um, as I was complaining last episode, you know, when everyone's doing the same thing, mm-hmm. well, you need to go find some of the new playwrights, and that may be by going to figure out, hey, this this play won an award, and it was a, a great mm-hmm. success. Um, I can, based on the number of, in fact, I just, uh, I can't say that. Uh, I know of several groups that have... Uh, Uh, 10-minute playwriting contest and things like that, and they always get a lot of entries. Um, There are a lot of people out there who who want to be playwrights and who have uh, have something to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just think that our community theaters have a a place to do that. Now, where would a community theater group go if they if they said let's let's look for something new? Where 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 would you send them first? Well, and that's what I'm saying. One one you can always go through the publishing houses, but by that point you're only getting the people who. Who already got agents and who already right. gone with it, and probably it's something that is off Broadway or something. Google, but I'd say Google. Um, we certainly get ads from playwrights all the time, um, just in our mailbox, you know, because they're out there, you know, pushing their their material, you know, their their, their which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have never done that because you know my work speaks for itself. But the <laughs> yes, sir. I thought better I or for that. worse but you know some self-promotion but i i like say i think i like the idea of trying to find some of these contests and seeing if you can get the w- list of winners mm-hmm. um the community theater association of michigan has an annual contest um that we can usually do royalty free for one year the winner of first or second place from that we've done shows like that in the past too when are they coming back when can we go when can we be go do that again well, there happens to be a what they're calling now. It used to be the Spring Conference, now calling it Community Theater Association on the Road, CTAM on the Road. Um, next one is on the night day. I think that we have a uh, performance of our own for the dinner murder, murder mystery. Mm. Excuse me, um, on March twenty fifth, twenty sixth. But there'll be another one that's closer to us that I thought I'd like to go up to. Uh, it'll be up at uh, Stagecrafters, Royal oh. Oak. Oh wow, that's not that far. No, that's where we good. we performed on, at an yeah. act fest there. Mm. And I went to a thing, uh, uh, costuming from Wicked. Um, so yeah, CTAM's never been gone, but the actual conference. So probably in the fall, I think we'll be back to an in-person conference. Because I like, I wouldn't mind going back to one of those again. Don't know where it'll be. You know, yeah. um, I think the last one was in Treetops Resort, so it'll be up in northern. The north, the north, northern lower peninsula. Hmm. Okay. So, yep. So, shout out to my friends at Community Theater Association of Michigan and the American Association of Community Theater, our friends, I should say, um, doing the good work they do to uh, promote community theater as well. Hmm. Hi guys. Any other shout outs? No. <laughs> no. I just, I just want to say for our twentieth episode, I think hmm. we did a great job being as low energy as we could. <laughs> I mean. 
we really gave them something different. Oh, well, you time, know, guys. <laughs> I thought you said these people were alive. <laughs> well, and, and you know, folks, when we ask you at the end of every show, hey, write us, email us, tell us what you think works. Tell us, you know, do you like us more serious? Do you, do you like it when, as one of my friends said, Nihilistic Dave comes out to play and says, we're all dead, we're all doomed, it means nothing. Uh, the dinosaurs, you know, why do we think we're any better than the dinosaurs? And they've been dead 65 million years. Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, Somebody still pain. remembers T Rex. The pain, the pain. The pain. There's <laughs> another reference that we, you know, no one's going to get. Unless you watched Young Sheldon the other night. Yes. <laughs> Lost in Space is the reference, by the way. Yes. Uh, Miss you, Dr. Not Smith. the movies, but the original TV show or the original series, as they say. Or is that yeah. Star Trek? I never remember. TOS. I can't tell the two apart. <laughs> I laughed. Sorry, I had to put Bob into a state of uh, katana, into a katana <laughs> no. state. Fine. Picard job, is a toaster. I rule summarily against him. <laughs> he is a toaster. Take him down to be disassembled. I'm telling you right now. I've told my kids from the very beginning because uh, they all love Picard. But I'm telling you right now, if I am in the middle of a fight, I want Kirk. Because if I turn, if I am gonna go see a great Shakespeare play, I want to take Picard. Yeah. That's that's the difference right there. The difference between the original series, if we'll go on our tangent again, and the uh, uh, next generation is original series <clears throat> was uh, Captain Kirk doing stuff on his own, damn the rules. Picard was about the committee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one was yeah. about action, one was about we need to have a meeting. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They were always in that conference room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <sighs> surprisingly enough, it looks like we're out of time again for this episode. Uh, we would like to thank all of you for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Some would say we love you. I won't. <laughs> but we do appreciate you very, very much. <laughs> Be sure to check out... Ron just keeps sighing and rubbing his head. I don't know what's know. going on. Check it's out like the Monero Community Players on Facebook page, the website, MoneroCommunityPlayers.org. More groupies fun at our own MCP podcast page on Facebook. And please email us with your comments and thoughts about this or any other episode at MoneroCommunityPlayers at Yahoo.com because we do love your comments and suggestions. And mm-hmm. so often, as we have proven, we will not only mention you, but we will mention and use your idea as an, as an episode. Almost um, like taking your idea. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. You can't copyright an idea. <laughs> Tell that only, to DreamWorks. Only, only the expression of it. Um, be sure to let us know, however, that it's okay to read your email on the pod. On the po- oh, I can't talk anymore. On the podcast. This has been a production of the Monroe Community Players and was recorded high atop the Benish Building in Monroe Public Access Cable Television. Thank you once again to Impact. Beautiful downtown Monroe, Michigan. We are the Groupies, and we look forward to seeing you in the green room. Uh, take us out, Bugs. Anybody else smell burnt toast? <laughs> <laughs> I smell almonds. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, goodbye. And don't think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven.